This episode of Inspiration Point is brought to you by the Quests and Chaos Podcast Network and the generous patrons over on patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we'd like to give a big shout out to Garlic Bread, Eric, and Spike. And at our Muse $20 level, we'd like to thank Prostaskis, Leroy, Kate, Jeremy, Jenna, Jacob, Falangor, Cheryl, A Bad Idea, Red Dead Coquette, and Robert Hans. Thank you for helping us bring a little inspiration out into the world. And now, on with the show. And we're back. Hello, everyone. Good to be with you. I'm Adam. Tiana, welcome back. Good to be with you, too. Good to be here with you as well, I had Adam. Adam. Hello, friends. Ad- <laughs> so, hey, that's my RPG name. Adam. Uh, I mean, Ad-derm. one of, one of the, the ways that I've heard to, like, uh, get fantasy names is just kind of, like, keyboard smash and then add in some apostrophes and separate out uh, <laughs> where it looks like it might be an interesting break. And there uh-huh. you have a fantasy name that no one yeah, can pronounce. Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> the other thing to do is to just take a normal name and then just add slash take away things until you have fantasy name. Oh, yeah. I, one of the more egregious ones that I saw was uh, it, not a normal name to a fantasy name, but a fantasy name to another fantasy name. Uh, Galadriel got turned to Gadriel in another book. Mm-hmm. And I was like, come on. Everyone knows <laughs> that you read or watched Lord of the Rings. It's fine. But come on. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've had a lot of this where people are like, they give themselves like names of famous um, fantasy characters or like gods even. And I I like part of me wants to be like, yeah, be as creative as you want. And there's no holds barred. Maybe there's a fun reason for this. Right. But usually they don't have a fun reason. It's just they like that name. Right. And then it's like, OK, do I want to be the stuff shirt that is like no, you can't do that. That's like immersion breaking. Or do I want to be like, no, try again. Sure. Are you talking about a deity that is like in the game, like someone actually being named Mithra or something? Like, okay. So I had a player recently and he wanted his character to be named Apollo. Oh. Right. And I'm just like, all right, well, I mean, there's like Apollo Creed. Sure. You know, there's, uh, you know, uh, why are you named that? It's like, oh, I want to be named after the sun god. And I'm like, oh, all right. You know? <laughs> like, I mean, I- there is a fun way to deal with that. It could always be that uh, that god does exist in the world for whatever reason. And they were named after the god. And now the parents have been struck down for their hubris. Mm, maybe so, right? We can we can bring that back. And then tragic backstory. Right, right. So anyway, I don't want to be a, a, a gatekeeper, right? You know what I mean? So, but at the same time, like other players do get irritated when people are doing things that like aren't on brand, right? Sure. Um, it, it really, and th- this example would be, would be easy. I was once in a game where somebody had invited their friend. I hadn't met this guy and his, like his character's name was poopy, you know? And so I would just say, n- no, 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 uh, let's go back over what the expectations are here, right? Right, because if it's meant to be a silly, goofy game with just, like, ridiculous names like that, fine. Yeah. But unless everyone has agreed to that, mm 
Yeah, correct. Yeah, I, I've thought about doing like a Discworld game, you know, uh, where everything can be like everyone's name is going to be a pun, right, of some kind. Uh, but like, yeah, if you're not signing up for that, like if you're trying to do dramatic storytelling and somebody like just brings you one of those, that's that's very frustrating. Uh, anyway, uh, aside from names, uh, I've started another quarter of my D&D class here, and uh, that's been fun. I have a good class, got a good group for the most part. Uh, one or two people that it's probably not the thing for them, but um, a lot of other people that are getting a lot of uh enjoyment out of it and good for, and good and for the ones uh, good for the the ones that it may not be their thing for trying it out like it's always worth at least having the experience of course of course and i think a lot of times they see the title of the class and they're like i don't know what that is uh let's try that right it doesn't say algebra or oh, right let's give this a <laughs> shot <right>? i mean <laughs> legit <laughs> um and so they want to give that a shot and then it, it is what it is uh, one thing I'm doing a little bit differently this time is I am very slowly um, rolling out the concepts that are in the character sheet. Mm, okay. Um, whereas I used to try to like knock that out more quickly. Um, so like on the first day, we I basically had them play Fate instead of D and D. Nice. And so we went to to the ideals, bonds, and flaws. And we treated those like they were uh, the aspects, right? And so then I just set like a flat DC number. I just said, okay, every challenge is 15, okay? And then if it makes sense based on your aspects to add five, you can add five. If it makes sense that you're only kind of good at it, add two, right? And so on and so forth. And that went fine because it took them about two minutes to understand what I was talking about. And then we just went and tried it out. Right. And then then after that, uh, I taught them about ability scores. So then we added ability scores and uh, ability score modifiers. And then we started talking about like setting a DC according to how difficult something might be. Mm. So I still haven't talked about like proficiency, saving throws. I haven't even talked about hit points. So like somebody was like, well, how can I tell when they're knocked out? I just say. Doesn't make sense narratively that they're knocked out, right? We that's fine, and so uh, that worked for a day. So th- the reason why I'm doing this is I, again I don't want to be old man yells at cloud, but like um, kids these days. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, you've already started going down that path, I, my friend. I know they do not have an attention span whatsoever. They can't remember things. And so, and frankly, I feel like my attention span is getting worse. Yeah, my my memory, is, my memory was garbage before TikTok became a thing. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and TikTok then it got worse. has destroyed my brain. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is like, it is brain cancer. And uh, I still have it downloaded, of course. Um, because, man, sometimes you just want to scroll. Right. Mm-hmm. Just just want to doom scroll or or hope quest to try and find those little nuggets of things that make you laugh. Every now and then you find just that little nugget of gold, and that keeps you on for another month or whatever. Mm. And uh, yeah, even though most of what I scroll through is is objectively crap, you know, it's just the the worst that humanity has to offer. And so anyway, we're we're doing 
little by little. And I, and I think it's having a, a positive effect because what they need to really do is get their feet in, get, get their feet wet and like, just play. Yeah. Just play a game because when they were little, they all played pretend, right? Mm-hmm. You know, probably. Hopefully. Hopefully. Maybe not as much as I did, right? Well. I got in trouble at school when I was young because my friends and I, we would play Ninja Turtles. And uh, by play Ninja Turtles, I mean we would pick characters and then we would play fight in the schoolyard. And inevitably, somebody would get hit for real. Yeah. Right? And then we'd have to all go to the office and- and I'd have to explain to my parents, you know, that I was Raphael because I'm always Raphael. And, uh, you know, I was fighting Shredder. And, uh, you know, Shredder uh, shouldn't have moved into my my fist, right? You know? <laughs> I feel like that's a really normal, I don't even want to say boy thing, because I certainly got into uh, in-character tussles as a, as a child. Uh, I feel like that's just a very child thing to do. I think so. I think so. But, you know, when uh, when I finally, at the college I was going to, they told me to stop doing that. I, if I... <laughs> I mean, if you're still getting called to the office when you're in your 20s, uh, they, they, start, they start throwing around words like assault and police report. That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. You, you learn to keep your hands to yourself uh, pretty quickly. Yeah, hopefully. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Okay. Some people have a harder time with that. But <laughs> you're not That's wrong. not what this show's about. Correct. Correct. Uh, so that's what I've been kind of up to lately. How about you? What have you been doing? Uh, mostly uh, working on stuff after the the new year. Uh, lift behind the curtain. This is the first Saturday of 2024 that we are recording. Um, and yesterday I did my very first solo live stream. Uh-huh. Yeah, Which you're was, doing Vampire Survivors, right? Yeah, I, I was going to do Dragon Age Origins, um, but I, w- I downloaded it onto my computer and was playing around with it and was like, I do not want to try to do this without a second monitor. And uh-huh. I yeah. don't have the adapter for the second monitor, because I have a second monitor, but I don't have yeah. the adapter to plug it into my computer just yet. Yeah. Because it's an older it's an older monitor. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't have that all set up yet. So I was like, I don't want to try to play this game without that because I won't be able to keep track of what's happening in the chat and everything. And that that seems like a recipe for disaster. Um, so I switched over to Vampire Survivors because I was like, I can play this pretty much brainlessly. And it was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, it I, is super fun. I, I mean, I've, I've been playing that game pretty, pretty consistently off and on since Andrew gave it to everyone. Thank you, Andrew. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. Um... So I've put like 120 hours or something into that game. And mm-hmm. so I was just running around yesterday, basically like just randomly picking survivors to play as and uh, talking with people in the chat. And we had a good conversation going. I played for about two and a half hours before I was like, cool, thanks, everyone. Um, <laughs> nothing broke. I was able to even have uh, like the, the, the lo-fi music that I wanted to have for starting soon, <laughs> be right back and end of stream uh, stuff. So I'm pretty pleased with how that all came together. Great. And you uh, do you have anything unlocked at all on Vampire Survivors? Oh, so many things unlocked. <laughs> oh, okay. So, all right. So you were you were playing advanced mode kind of. Kind of, but I was also like I I I was mostly playing characters that were from like the beginning of the game, uh okay. but with like extra buffs and weapons unlocked. That mm-hmm. was that was basically the only unlock that I had. 
Yeah, I'm at like the end of trying to unlock all the last little bit of secrets. Mm. Like I, I don't have very much more to go. Yeah. Uh, but all of that's on my phone. <laughs> my PC uh, account is uh, not far in. No, I mean that, and that's fair. I prefer to play it on the computers because I, I, I get. I mean, my phone screen is pretty good sized. Yeah. I don't like how overwhelming it gets on the tiny screen uh, when I'm trying to keep track of what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to to have a nice surface area as well. But uh, for vampire survivors, I, I find, yeah, I don't have to try very hard. So a lot of times on my phone, I'll either be playing that or some sort of like card game like Slay the Spire. Slay, Slay the Spire is another one that I need to try. I've heard good things about it. Yeah, give it a shot. It, it's not the prettiest game in the world, but uh, the abilities and stuff and the monsters, it's very well designed, I would say. I, I was like, it's very, very good. Also, Adam, I'm going to be going back and playing Dragon Age Origins, a game that is about 15 years old and looks it. Yeah, it does. It, <laughs> you know, when it came out, I was like, wow, this is a cool game. You it know, was top-of-the-line graphics at the time. Yeah, and now it's like, oh boy, everything looks kind of dirty. Uh, people look like dolls. Yep, y- you know, and uh, but the the writing is good. I mean, especially for a video game plot, it's like very good. The story is so solid, and that's why I want to go back to it. You know, in, in many ways, it has a lot to do with Baldur's Gate three. You know, it's just that Baldur's Gate three doesn't like have that like one character or two that like just aren't on the same level as the rest of the cast. Yeah. Cause like Dragon Age Origins was like Alistair, Morgan, Liliana. Yeah. May- maybe throw Stan in there. And then Stan was interesting in like a-, a Geralt Witcher kind of way. I think that's kind of what they were going for. Yeah. They were like, okay, this guy's like hardcore, but then you had like, Ogren, Zevran, Zevran, and those two especially were just like, okay, you. How are you in the same game as <laughs> Alistair and Morrigan? Like, yeah, I don't get that. So, it, you know, Baldur's Gate three really does not have that problem. I mean, Baldur's Even, Gate three has the advantage of coming out in twenty twenty three as opposed to the the, the mid aughts. <laughs> still, I would say. There are plenty of terrible games coming out in 2023, right? Games that aren't as good, even as good as, um, you know, Dragon Age Origins. That's true. Even given the time jump, like it's just, you know, the the passion, yeah, isn't there in the same way. Well, and and at the time, like Dragon Age Origins was establishing a new IP and really uh, leaning into the 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 thing that BioWare does the best is storytelling. So they yeah. were really committed to it and yeah, the graphics weren't there. And I think that that's been lost in a lot of uh, storytelling games these days where it's like, you know, what's the story? Who are the characters? Why do we care? Do we care? Not particularly. And right. then Baldur's Gate three came and went. Hold my tankard! I'm going to I'm going to show you how it's done. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it, the other thing I got to say is, you know, I grew up playing Baldur's Gate one and two, right? And then there was just nothing. Yeah. For a long time, and so when Dragon Age Origins came, people were calling it the spiritual successor. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and it and the and Origins specifically feels like Baldur's Gate, mm. especially when you do the more tactical view stuff. Because uh, OG Baldur's Gate was not 
um, was not turn based. Oh, it was it was pause and play, like like Dragon Ages. Okay, right. So the characters are all fighting automatically, uh, but then you tell them what to do. Like they're generally not going to cast spells on their own unless you tell them otherwise. Mm, okay, you know. Uh, and so, which is probably fact, good because older AI in games is generally terrible. Oh yeah, I mean, you wonder why there's so many zombies in games. <laughs> it's like the AI is so easy to write. Yeah, you know, in comparison to to something more alive, you know, if this thing runs at you. Okay, cool. We it's can going do to try that. to bite you. It's going to bite you. Vampire Survivors is even better in that way. It's like literally every character just walks at you. Yeah, all of them. And they will always, like, change direction with you, and off they go. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of jokes about that in the chat last night, including being attacked by sentient broccoli. <laughs> There's a lot of, uh, let's say, interesting character designs. <laughs> I, I, re I, I really want to, like, sit down and look at all of the different ones if I'm going to do this more often uh, on live stream and be li or or just lean into it and give them all ridiculous names. Absolutely. I think... It's like a ridiculous game at its core. Oh yeah, like in it, but it also has all this very old school feel. Yeah, not only just in terms of the graphics, but in terms of like the secrets, and like the unlocking of secrets is like a huge part of the fun there. Yeah, I unlocked something last night. And I'm not sure what I unlocked because I, I hit a question mark and I'm not sure what it did. Oh well, there is a character who is a question mark. A character that is a question mark. Yeah, there's a character that's a question mark, and it changes weapon hmm. uh, based on when you pick it. It's it's not my go-to, right? I'll I'll try I'll try anything once, twice if I'm not sure. My favorite character in Vampire Survivors is Mortaccio. Um, he's the uh, skeleton. Okay, right? yeah. And he throws bones at people, and they bounce. They're bouncy bones. Bouncy bones. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously stronger characters like Lita and Red Death, but like, uh, Martaccio is a lot of fun. Gosh, who was who was the one? Uh, the one that I unlocked yesterday uh, that that I I had access to, and so I purchased yesterday on kind of a whim was uh, Shimun Etal. Amazing, yes, yes, amazing. I made I I found my new favorite character. Her ice spear is great. Yeah, it actually works really well with Clock as well. Mm, I believe uh, it. Any, Anything that freezes, like you see, you see it when you got the Oroglion or whatever it's called, and that freezes the whole screen. Mm -hmm. And then your then your lance is like this massive thing, right? Love it's the that. big triangle of death. Yeah, and, and it's really cool. And from a sound design perspective, it was fascinating listening to it because, like, uh peek behind the curtain when I do do sound effects if it's the same sound effect multiple times I will frequently just use the same sound effect multiple times and right. just be like I'm not gonna go and find five different you know text notification sounds even right. though each each person would have a different text notification sound I'm not doing that that's annoying right um they had like five or six different glass sound effects i was like yes. someone went out there and like actually put the work in to break glass in five or six different ways to well, have these different effects often you're gonna hear that same effect mm -hmm. players would go nuts you know you have to have a little bit of variety a little bit you will you will lose your mind it's so true <laughs> well getting back to Baldur's gate 3 a little bit uh, I wanted to finally get into our main topic. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, which if, is, if, if, if folks haven't been able to tell, this is more of the video game side of us uh, talking today. Yeah, a little bit more. I've been playing a lot of games. I've been playing a lot of Baldur's Gate 3, especially lately, um, where I should be doing more GM prep. And I've been like Baldur's Gate 3. They released something called Honor Mode. And what it is, is you get one save. And then uh, it's on like beyond tactician mode. And it's just brutal. Absolutely and not. <laughs> when you're dead, your game's over. Or you can choose to continue. But then you you don't get the, uh, the uh, Honor Mode credit anymore. See, right. I am not I am not that much of a completionist. I have 100%ed one game ever. It was Dragon mm -hmm. Age 2. Yeah. That was the, that's the only game that I've ever 100%ed. I am not that crazy of a completionist. I will not be playing that mode cuz I am a <laughs> safe scummer and proud of it. <laughs> because I, I games totally are meant it. to be fun and I right. am not no. good at video games. So my fun is, yeah, uh I screwed up. I'm going to change that. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I don't actually I've been very frustrated with it because the way that this game is difficult isn't the same way that like Dark Souls is difficult, where it's like, OK, if I just dodge better, I'll be fine. Right. Yeah. Like if I just memorize these attack patterns, I'll be OK. And I have essentially infinite chances to do that Um, when it comes to Baldur's Gate. Your character might just roll a two. Yeah. And you have no control over that. So and then when you when death is permanent. It's a hard it's hard in a way that feels unfair because it's not based on your skill. Yeah. It's based on the roll of a die, literally. I mean, it still definitely takes a lot of skill, but then there's also yeah. the RNG aspect on top of it. Good old RNG. And then <laughs> the the I mean in terms of like D and D encounter balance, most of those big encounters are also like way over stocked. Mm -hmm. You know, like more so than a normal D and D game. Yeah. Um, and then this mode just takes that up to eleven, and so like the owl bear just summons another owl bear. Oh. <laughs> and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I was in an area the other day where uh, I was poking around in the Underdark in Act 1, because I still haven't finished Act 1. Uh, I was poking around in the Underdark. There's a lot to do. <laughs> there is. Oh, and I, feel, I still feel under-leveled, or at least under-prepared, for going into whatever the final thing is. And, and it keeps telling me when I go into the Mountain Pass that I'm under-prepared. So I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to trust you. You just got to be level 5. It's not letting me level. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm yeah. doing stuff, and I'm still level 4. Yeah, that level four to level five gap is painful. But and, once you get there, and in you're fairness, okay. the, in fairness, that's true in uh, actual D and D as well. Like that, <laughs> that true. that jump is something. It's something, yeah. Because levels one, two, and three, you're like, you man, this game's those. easy. Yeah. <laughs> Although I never felt like it was easy in Baldur's Gate for levels one, two, and three, where I was just like, I am, I am bad at this, and it doesn't yeah. help that the camera is my enemy. <laughs> Which is so weird because, like, when it comes to, like, tabletop D&D, &D, you know, you make very powerful, very effective characters, and you don't seem to have any trouble with combat most of the time. And then, like, with this, because video game. Because video game. Because it's not D&D, <laughs> &D, and I don't understand it as well, and I'm crippled by stuff like 
uh, one of like having to use a point buy from the beginning, not even having the option to be able to like roll for stats or whatever. You know? Yeah, which is unlike the original game. Actually, you could roll stats if you wanted. See, and I, I wish that I, I will bet anything that there's a mod that lets you do that because oh, the yeah. modding community has been all over this game. Uh, I yeah. I want the ability to like. Like, it doesn't have to be one or the other. I would like the ability yeah. to choose between the three methods of stat generation. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm certain that that's a thing. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and there is an easy mode, by the way, if that is helpful. And you can change modes in the I middle of your I play. might be on easy mode. Oh, gosh, Tiana. <laughs> <laughs> It's also been a while since I've played, and and I need to get back into it, but it's, you know, I've been busy with other stuff, because uh, as of this recording, the the new season of the Redaction Reports is going to be dropping very soon. Hey, all right. So That's I've been cool. uh, busy in preparation for that. That's been a lot. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I bet. Well, I've been irresponsible. I mean, th th this is a, this is the time of year that uh, my my group of friends calls Ursus, which I think you would like very much. It's the, the time I, I would the, the time when when the bears hibernate. That's correct. And <laughs> I'm a I'm a bear year round. You you are, but this is definitely the time where it's like this is the time to hunker down and eat good food and be around family and just enjoy things. Yeah, that's kind of how I kept telling myself whenever like the inevitable guilt of not doing things would creep into my brain. You know? Yeah. Um, so the main thing I actually wanted to go over today, let me see how far in we are. Okay. We're okay. Um, I wanted to talk about some of the changes in rules between Baldur's Gate three and Dungeons and Dragons fifth edition. Cause for those of you that don't know, it's not a one-to-one -one translation, right? It's very close. It's very, um, I, you know, I would say it, it provides you that fifth edition experience, as far as a video game can deliver it to you. Yeah. Solasta is probably a little bit closer in terms of one-to-one -one rule set, but the experience of role-playing Dungeons and Dragons is kind of missing there. Um, every, all the, all your characters are sort of generic. They don't have any interesting mm -hmm. backstories. You know, it's mostly just a combat simulator. Um, whereas in Baldur's Gate 3, of course, they're, they're doing everything. They're giving you pretty close to the full experience. Um, so anyway, here's some fundamental changes. Okay. And what I want to want to say when we go through them is just say like, okay, would we put this in, 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 in our tabletop games or not? Like, is this more appropriate for a video game? Do we just dislike it or, Hey, there's something here. Sure. Like maybe this is a good idea. So, Number one, and this is probably more of just like a workload limitation, uh, but the level cap is 12. And my first thought was like, well, that is too bad. I wish it was 13, 14, 15, whatever, or even all the way to 20. But then I was like, wait a sec. How many how many D&D &D games legitimately make it past level 12? You know, like not often. I mean, that's fair, but this is supposed to be like the ideal game of of D and D, the version where if you want to and you put the time and effort in, you could go up to twenty. Right. It is. It is true, but that is very rare. And I wonder if, like, is that rareness a feature of the game, or did the designers of Five E 
fail to realize how long it would take to get through their game and how unlikely it would be for a group to realistically achieve this point. Like, were people intended to hit level 20, or was this something that was meant to be saved for, you know, the, these special moments? I mean, that's a valid question. Um, I've only gone to 20 once, and it was a very, and I've been playing, I've been playing for five and a half, six years at, at this point, and I've only gone to 20 once, and I've played a lot of campaigns. However, uh, I, I think that that a, that it should be achievable. I think that it it should be. Or if you decide to have the level cap be something lower, um, steal something that uh, I have heard in another game where there are ways to like get extra feats. Uh, my 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 friend Mark Waddell uh, did did this in some of his games where it was like no one is ever going to go above level five. It was a very low level game. That's very low. Yeah. Yeah. But in, over the course of that, if you went and did stuff, you could get proficiency, uh, extra proficiencies. Or if you trained in something, you could get extra feats. And right. feats and proficiencies and tool proficiencies were done as a way of character advancement instead of just the levels, which I kind of like. And I would actually yeah. really like to play in a game like that, probably with a higher level cap, where the level cap's like 10 or something. But right. But you can personalize your character then. I think that that's a great idea. And that's kind of how the game already works. But the, the thought is that you hit level 20 and then you start getting some of these extra things like epic boons and stuff. The epic boons were pretty great in fairness. Yeah, they are really cool. I mean, they should feel like a big deal, right? But setting that, that number lower, I think, also makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I don't know how often I'm honestly going to plan to do level 20 campaigns again because i feel like by the time people are about level 12 or 13 they're they're kind of itching to play something else you know i think it depends uh, i think it really depends on the yeah. so it's i think it's one of those things that they're i don't think that there should be a cap not in normal dnd i think mm -hmm. that uh the GM and the players should be more open to more flexibility with like learning proficiencies and getting feats and stuff like that. But that there is no cap. You just, I mean, except 20, obviously. Um, but you go until the story's done. Right. And that it's okay if the story doesn't get up, get you up to 20. That's all right. But not feel like, you know, we're only going to get to level 12. So I will never get this cool thing that my character could do. Right. Well, I think if you if you come at it and you say, like, for instance, uh, Storm King's Thunder is written to end at level nine. Right. That seems awfully low for what goes on in there. But OK, I, it, it's it is kind of too low. Like if you just go with experience gains, you will go well beyond it. Yeah. But although I say, I say, the, I say that with Strahd, too, like you are way yeah. too low level in Strahd to deal with Strahd. Right. And, and I don't love it because I feel like that's one way that they sort of artificially make Strahd scarier, sure. you know, is by just holding you back for a long time. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I, I do like the idea of progression never being over, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the level never has to be over. So I would just say for any GM, my, my takeaway with this would be just to set a level cap 
based on this is what the story is going to support, not like there's an arbitrary cap and then we're never going to like level up or anything. Just my story ends at around level 12. Yeah. Right. My story ends around level 15, level five, level nine. Right. That way, if you're like if you're like me and you like to make a build and you like to plan a build, you don't have to like be disappointed when it's like he said it was going to be level nine. So I'm going to plan as if it's going to be level nine and I'm not going to be sad when, you know, it didn't when, when level 10 didn't happen. Yeah, I, I was just thinking that too and coming at it with the devil's advocate of, yeah, you know, I, I don't personally plan builds terribly often. I tend to just kind of go with whatever seems right at the time and it tends to turn out very powerful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what do I need? No, yeah, that's like, a good way. Like, it's like, a great way to approach it. Like legitimately, I'll, I'll get up to like level four or five in, in my initial class and go, okay, what am I missing? What what could I do? Uh, if, does that need a multi-class? Do I need to look at a different feat? Do I need to, what am I looking at? What kind of item do I need to pursue? That sort of thing. Um so it wouldn't do much good for me, but for like my friend Bo Christian Williams, he likes to, you know, he will sit down at level one and plan out his character all the way to level 20. Mm-hmm. And I think being told from the beginning, this game will not go beyond level 12. I mean, we were told that at one point and he got kind of upset about it because it was like, well, this character will never be able to uh, achieve their full potential. But at least then there was no like, disappointment when we got to that level it was like okay thus far and no further all right and if you get into another game that goes beyond that you could always ask the gm like hey can i bring over this other guy sure you can also always like headcanon stuff you can write your own little story i have done that written my own little stories about them why not why not you know they're yours yeah right they're they're not property of wizards As much as they may want that, <laughs> uh, they're they're not property of wizards. They're not property of the GM. Like they are, no, they are. They're yours. They're yours. At the end of the story, that's All right. It. And if anyone claims anything else, then I just go, well, multiverse variant. <laughs> that just means anything I need it to mean. Uh, okay, so let's move on to the next thing, uh, which is karmic dice. So, oh, I see you cringing at that idea. I, I, right? I'm reading it I, like the first the first thing that it says is there is a weighted dice setting and anything that starts with the sentence weighted dice makes me wince. So this is both positive and negative because what it essentially did was allow Larian to like have a lot of control over encounter difficulty. Mm. Um, but at, from the player perspective, it's also like, OK, I'm not going to roll a one four times in a row. You know, because the dice hate me today, <laughs> you know, eventually it, it's like it becomes more likely as you fail to succeed. It becomes more likely as you succeed to fail. Right. So you get kind of like a balanced approach, whereas we've always been in games where the um, you just have that day, man. It's true. Like, you know, I was playing in this game with Spike and he was the GM and I was playing this half-orc paladin, and I was trying to, like, solo this ogre. And on paper, there was no reason for me not to beat the crap out of this ogre. I could not roll above a four, you know, in that in that encounter. And that ogre beat the crap out of me. <laughs> like, I was, like, so frustrated. It had nothing to do with him. had nothing to do with me. 
It was just the dice said so, you know. Uh, having said that, the concept of actually implementing something like karmic dice into a game, well, let's just say that would be a lot easier for a computer to accomplish right? than for a human being. Because I think the closest equivalent to that would be the GM fudging dice behind the screen. Right, which... I'm not against. I'm not right? against that I either. Think, I've done it. Yeah. Like if I've rolled th- uh, a, a couple of nat twenties uh, against my players, especially at lower levels, yeah, uh, the first one or two will will probably land. After that, there are no more nat twenties on my side because that's just brutal. Right. It's like okay, dice. I don't know what your problem is, but uh... <laughs> but you need to calm the f down. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like we're gonna. Put you in the corner for a while. Actually, I'm going to keep you over here for when I play a game because mm-hmm. clearly you have a different role to play. <laughs> clearly, you need to be like the player dice over here. Um, <laughs> like I, I can, I can see that. The thing about Baldur's Gate Three that is very different than a tabletop game is that it is a computer game. At right. any point, if you're getting frustrated, you can shut the thing off and walk away. And no one is going to be there to be hurt or offended by you walking away from the table. Um, their goal is to keep you playing for longer, because the longer that you play, the more of their cool stuff you you get to unlock. Um, right. At a table, there's they, A, you're right, there's no way that you can implement something like that without a computer on the player's side. And then... I don't know. There's my my friend uh, Knitting Daddy Greg is introducing his daughter to uh, TTRPG games with a uh, adventure a year adventure in a year calendar where every every page every day has something that happens, and he's having to teach her that yeah, low rolls are part of the game, and there's a story that's told in there. So, yeah, your half-orc paladin should have been able to have a, to beat the ogre. Cool. What's the story reason that that didn't happen? Besides the yeah, dice exactly. screwing around with you. Um, right. In-game, you know, was there something that his god was trying to tell him? Was he not fulfilling his oath well enough? What can you work with to make that happen? And that's part of the story. I, I 100% agree with that. I think that that's very insightful. So... And I've done the episode back in the day with with Andrew that was called "Love Your Ones," and it w- and the idea was when it when you fail, what can you make that into? Yeah, that's, that's interesting for your storyline. That's harder to do in a video game where you're just going to get frustrated that you kept missing. Yeah, right. And so again, very appropriate for a video game. Not something I would bring over. Me neither. Um, although I have made some house rules and stuff in the past where it was like. If you roll two ones in a row or like if you miss twice, you get advantage on the third attack or something, you know, and that's that's a simple way of kind of looking at it. But even then, I think I don't know if I would do that again. Yeah. Right. Um, OK, uh, I'm going to skip a couple of these. Yeah, uh, there are there them, are so many like there's I, a lot. We'll, we'll provide the link to this to this particular page that we're working off of. There is a lot of changes between uh, D&D and uh, Baldur's Gate 3. There's a ton and a lot. And most of it is we have tech limitations and B, this is a video game mm-hmm. that has a computer doing calculations for you. Yeah. Um, there's also the assumption that like. You are the only one playing. You have companions, but you're controlling everything. Yeah. So you're the one experiencing all the dice rolling, right? The game's never going to feel slow to you because you're always engaged. Exactly. 
right? You're not waiting for someone else to take a turn. So, um, so anyway, uh, one simple one is that multi-classing ignores ability score requirements. So I think this is a rule that a lot of people forget is even in the game. But one like one of those it, forgotten rules. It, the forgotten rules of the forgotten realms. That's right. And it's like, did you know that in order for your paladin to take a level in rogue, they need X amount of dexterity? Yes. It's like 13 or 15, something like that. Yes, but I always, but, but I always look at things like that when, when I'm looking at, because it says it in D&D Beyond that you uh, have to have X number and whatever score uh, in order to be that class. Right. So if, again, you're running through a computer program that's right. reminding you and in, in, in setting up those barriers. Whereas if you're like me and you were always using the book for everything, if you forgot it, you forgot it. That's because right? like, you're old school, Adam. I know. Most of my uh, characters have been built on D&D Beyond. All right. It's <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. I I didn't even really start making characters on D&D Beyond until I started doing Arena of the Five E's mm. with um, Quest and Chaos. Which, by the way, it's also been another really long time. I know, I know. A, we've we've also been off for a month and a half. We're just coming is, back on Monday. This is my favorite thing about <laughs> Quest and Chaos, and it's like the redheaded stepchild of the whole like conglomerate. Um, so this is my my shout out request for Arena of the Five E's. <laughs> I will. Uh, your 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 request has been cataloged and logged, and we'll get right up the flagpole <laughs> and into the circular file. I'm Probably. sure. <laughs> I think, well, we'll talk about it later, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, this game says uh, let's ignore uh, ability score requirements for multi-classing. Um, so if you want to take a level in Rogue and you have 10 dexterity, that's fine. Um, I'm fine with this. I, I like this. I honestly like that, too, because if you want to multi-class for flavor purposes and like make your character for character reasons as opposed to power building... Mm-hmm. I like this, and I think that it should be an option. It just also should be something that you be aware of, that in the things that you should be able to do as a rogue, you will be less effective because you don't have the dexterity to back that up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you're trying to, if you're more like going for like the skill expertise or something, sure. you know, because you just want your paladin to have a really good intimidation check or something, you know, like... I mean, honestly, uh, dipping two levels into Rogue for Cunning Action would be valuable for yeah. every single character I have ever played in my life. Yeah, Cunning Action is super useful. Um, dipping into Barbarian to get oh. Rage and Unarmored Defense. Dipping into work. Fighter to get Action Surge. And Fighting Style, yeah. which you get at level one, you know. Yeah, and Action Surge, I mean... I think fighters basically in every build out there because of um, action search, like all the like high end, like maximizing DPS builds. Um, but like, yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think there are different ways to interface with these classes that aren't necessarily as expected. Right. And I don't want to limit that. So, and that's an easy thing to just say, okay, you can do this now. Right, because, I mean, there are certainly rogues who almost never use the, the roguish abilities, so why not allow, you know, the bard to, to be the face and grab a couple extra levels in rogue and be a slightly more dashing bard? Yeah, why not? I think that that would be great, right? 
And there's also opportunity costs there, right? Because you're losing either like spell progression right. or just class feature progression. Like there, there is a cost to doing it. So why does there have to be an additional requirement on top of that? I just don't think that's necessary. Yeah, I agree. So I think that's a, I think that's a great rule. I think it would be great to to bring in as long as again, this is another thing to discuss at session zero, where it's like multi class as much as you like, just have a story reason behind it. For yeah, me, anyway, so, because like story is important. Very true. Very true. Um, let's see. What's another good one here? Uh, hit points gained on level are fixed values not a roll of the hit die. Um, I actually already do this. Um, I, I give maximum hit points every time. Um, I don't like to roll for it. I think that it's such a permanent and like important thing. Mm -hmm. You know, I would hate for someone to invest a bunch of points into con and then to end up with like less hit points than somebody else because of bad rolls. You know, like they paid twice to get something. Yeah. Right. And so I don't like that. So I this is what I already do. What do you think about it? My general rule of thumb with with hit points is that uh, if they roll below the um, if they roll below the average, the high average. Yeah. yeah. If they roll below the high average, then take the high average. But I do like to let people roll for the chance at getting the max. And I don't know, maybe I'm going to start implementing the max just because it really doesn't matter at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Like, if I really want to, I can just wreck through a party of PCs fairly easily. An -hmm. extra five hit points here and there is not going to change that. Yeah, if you add in an extra enemy, sometimes that can be all it takes, right? Right. So... So yeah. I, I do like the idea of it being fixed, and I like the idea of it being fixed at max. I don't think that Baldur's Gate 3 does that. Um, I think that it's fixed based on your con and all of that. And I think, I actually, I actually don't know. I'd have to look. I, I don't know if it's the high average. It's been, it has been so long since Andraste and her party have leveled that I don't remember <laughs> anymore. Yeah, so true. Um <laughs> I know. Like, I imagine, like, playing one of those old characters I used to have and shaking off their dust. And, like, do I even know what's going on anymore? Uh, yeah, that's fair. But, yeah, no, I, I like the idea of having a fixed, you know, fixed at max plus, max die plus your constitution. I like that. I think it makes things smoother. Level it up is already, uh, for especially for certain levels, already a lot of moving parts that you have to think about. Mm-hmm. So why not take out one of them? I like it. All right. Um, here's another one. Uh, the short rest mechanic entirely. So in 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons, you get everything back on a long rest. But now they also have this short rest where instead of going to bed for eight hours, you know, uh, you do about an hour of sitting down, bandaging wounds, eating snacks, you know, um, doing you know taking a poop you know whatever it is you got to do you know you, <laughs> this is what the short rest is for and the it's a bit complex in that your character can roll um a number of hit dice equal to their level the hit dice value of which is based on which class you chose mm-hmm. um and then you roll the dice you add your con modifier that's how many hit points you get back right in order to get your hit dice back, you have to take a long rest. Right. 
Okay. Which makes a lot of sense. In in this game, they have simplified it where they say, listen, you get two short rests. And each time you take a short rest, it's going to restore half your hit points. The end. And then they went a little bit further and they said, if you take the durable feet, uh, you just restore them all. Mm. Which, by the way, durable in Baldur's Gate 3 is very good. Good to know. <laughs> Especially on people like Carlac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sweet Carlac. Oh, yeah. Carlac's also just, you know, makes Baldur's Gate 3 better than most games. <laughs> yeah. So She's an oversized puppy. Who, 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 who is on fire and yells sometimes. I love her. I feel like she's like the self-insert of the D&D community. A little bit. You know, like, I feel like they just went in like, who are these people? <laughs> and and they, like, did some surveys and then a computer spat out Carlac, you know. And I think it, if not intentional, that has been the outcome. Because everyone's like, well, who's your favorite? Well, well there's Carlac, but then after that, well, now, I, now, now here's my real opinion. <laughs> I don't know. Asterion is is uh, the, the internet's boyfriend, so. There is also Asterion, yeah. He's probably one of the, the, the best written characters ever. He's very in interesting and very cool. Um, and then uh, I always have to pick the broken girl, so I have to either go with uh, Minthara or, um, or Lazel. Uh, Basil, as she's called. Right? <laughs> so yeah, uh, in in my playthrough, Andra, Andraste and her just him. <clears throat> yeah, nice. Wait, she's, which one, Carlac or uh, uh, Lazel? Lazel. Oh, like, Lazel's yeah. well, easy though. She <laughs> like I wasn't trying. <laughs> she is easy. Yeah. And then she was like, "I will come and claim what is mine." You're like, ooh. I'm like, all right, hmm. cool. Let's do this. Cool, cool. awesome. <laughs> so, uh, where it's like Shadowheart, man, you got to go through a whole song and dance, man. Yeah. It's too much. It's too much. She's, <laughs> she's a lot, man. She's so needy, you know? Although, speaking of the broken girls. Yeah, she's like, she's too broken. That's like past <laughs> my pay grade, right? I just want to. I just want a girl with a debt with a bad father. You know, that's what I really. Wow. You know, most people don't admit that out loud. <laughs> um, as far as the short rests go, I genuinely thought that there was already a rule that you could only take two short rests per like per long rest, basically. But apparently not. Like I just I just looked no, at the short not, rest yeah. rules. I think that's just always been kind of a house rule that my uh, how that my tables abide by. I don't even know if it's a house rule as much as it's just been, like, what happens. Well, and I also don't tend to play with people who play characters like Warlock or Monk or people that actually get things back on short rests. Because, you know, the the joke with Warlock is that you always are, you know, you get into one fight. It's like, okay, time for a short rest. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I like the hit dice because that means that you're choosing how much of the resource you are choosing to expend. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that because, I, and maybe that's a, a holdover from when we were playing Blood and Thunder, where in order to get uh, hit points back on a long rest, you had to spend the hit dice. So yeah. I was much more careful with them there. Um, but I am of the opinion that anytime that you're spending, anytime that, that you're spending a resource, I want to be able to choose how much of that resource I'm spending. And mm-hmm. maybe that's to a certain extent, like you only get two short rests per every long rest. 
yeah. But that takes away yeah. some of it, some of the choice of like, okay, we're taking a short rest. I'm doing okay, so I'm only going to use one hit die as opposed to the next short rest where I'm like, I am dying. I need all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I have nothing left. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I, I don't have strong feelings about this one either way, really. Um, I think that uh, when I play games, I tend to only see about two short rests per long rest. Sure. Um, so I feel like they just sort of solidified what was kind of already happening. Um, and then like definitely explaining how the rest system works to new players is a bit tedious. I mean, explaining most of the, of the intricacies to new players is kind of tedious as I'm sure you know better than I do. Oh gosh. New players. (laughs) The worst. (laughs) He, for, 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 uh, everyone who can't see him, he's joking. We really do love our new players. Thank you all for coming and playing with us. So, yeah, every now and then I get a player who is just like they are sort of naturally just so gifted mm-hmm. at, at this whole thing. And they start adding things to it without even realizing. And then it's like a really special experience. But that person's rare. Uh, anyway, they're very uncommon. <laughs> like you usually have to train your, your people up. Well, once you find one of these people, oh. buy them presents until they're your friend. Okay. <laughs> That's what I learned from playing Dragon Age Origins. I was going to say, man, you've dipped hard into the Dragon Age Origins moment there, haven't you? Dragon Age Origins, what I learned about relationships was find out what they like, buy them that thing, and that's love. <laughs> Wait, that's not how that works? Crap. <laughs> well, if, if gift giving's your love language, you're confused when people don't love you back when you gave them the shiny. Yeah. Um. So, 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 so what you're saying is that we're all actually Corvids of various varieties. Oh, well, we're, we're all autistic. That's for sure. Um, yes, uh, there are. There's definitely a high level of neurospicy in the TTRPG community. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's what we call interesting people. Uh, what was another good one? I, um, I think the one that I want to jump down to is actually in spellcasting because we're, we're running okay. we're running uh, up on time. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The thing that I really love that that they change is that prepared spellcasters can change their spells at any time out of combat. Yes. And I love that. I mostly play prepared casters like druids and uh, clerics, clerics, occasionally a yeah. wizard now and again, uh, a paladin, and having the ability to be like, I think I might need this for this very specific situation that we're walking into. Um, yeah. But then I'm stuck with that until a long rest. And what if I needed something else and I don't need that very specific, like create or destroy water? What if I right. don't need that again for another like five encounters, but I'm stuck with it until we take a long rest? I and, and one of the things that they say in this wiki is this encourages greater use of highly situational spells such as knock or remove curse since it can be quickly swapped in and out when needed. And I really like that, honestly. The only limitation is you can't do it in combat. And that's which fine. It's fine, right? Yeah. And I'm like, okay. My other thing is. By default, it always gives Gale um, that useless spell, uh, Witch Bolt, which... What are you on about? Witch Bolt saved me in the hag fight. (laughs) Witch Bolt is trash. It's great. I will fight you on this. (laughs) (laughs) And so I would always forget to swap out spells at camp, right? Mm. Like I would never think about it. And then I would come up to the situation and then not have the spell, right? And 
and I'd be like, okay, I'm still memorizing spells as if I'm level one and I'm level three, right? So I just can't remember to put the spells in. <laughs> and uh, that was very frustrating. By the way, here's a pro tip. Here's a way to kind of cheat in the beginning. Go on. When when you release Shadowheart from her pod. Uh-huh. Wow, very switch, beginning. Very beginning. Switch out one of her spells with command, okay? Then when you go fight the... Um, the the demon who you're not supposed to technically fight, um, the Cambion there with the flaming sword, mm-hmm. uh, have her command drop on him, and he will let go of it, and then you can steal it. <sighs> sword. <laughs> you don't have to kill him. You can just take it. I am putting that in my in my mental <laughs> bank for uh, when I do the Caladry run. That's right. Yeah. Um, by the way, anything that disarms in Baldur's Gate 3, very good. Very good. Okay. So, but yeah, generally speaking, I tend to agree. I also don't like prepared casting as a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if the wizard has their book, they should be able to cast anything that's in the book. Sure. Which I know would be like insanely broken. powerful. Incredibly broken. <laughs> you know, and I feel like the the cleric isn't even the one casting the spell as much as they're borrowing power from their deity or whatever. Right. And so like they should be getting whatever they get. And like, so I would either do one of two things. I would either say cast whatever you have access to whenever you want, or B everybody learns spells like a sorcerer does. And so, um, yeah. Cause I mean, I, I prefer smaller, simpler lists, but also, I get that people want to play characters that have have high workloads like that, and they don't get overwhelmed with the amount of options they have. And I would say to that person, I think that cleric and wizard are excellent picks. Right. right. It's just kind of a, a playstyle choice. And Druid. Druid also has a wonderful range of abilities. Um, yeah. One of the things that I would love to see is see Druid, or not Druid, Bard get treated a little bit more like a wizard, where, because in my understanding of Bards as a historical concept, they're picking up other people's stories or, or creating their own. Yeah. So I love the idea of them having like a Bard book or a really incredible memory where they can go and they can learn other spells now, whether you, know, whether you want to keep that just to, like, the Bards stuff or, I don't know, ha- beyond just uh, the lore Bard being able to dip into other people's um, spell lists every couple of, uh, it, it, twice, in a, twice in, a, in a run, I love the idea of a Bard being like, oh, yeah, I heard this Dwarvish song and let me play you Stone Skin. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um yeah, one of the coolest features about the Bard in 5th edition is Magical Secrets. Yeah, that one's fun. And, and Magical Secrets can be a huge game changer. Usually they pick either they pick Counterspell and then something else. <laughs> that is completely accurate because uh, my very first character was Arinora and uh, Ari pl- uh, was, was, a, was a lore Bard. And when she got Magical Secrets, you're right, it was Counterspell and fireball. Yeah, I I would love to see um, their progression be more based on copying, kind of like what you're saying. I think that's interesting. I think it would be really would, cool and really like dig into the idea that. of a bard as a storyteller and a collector of stories, because that to me is what a bard should be. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. It's all part of their, their storybook. Oh, man, that's cool. Right? Uh, even doing things like borrowing um, class features could be interesting. Sure. You know, like sneak attack or smite or something on some sort of limited number. Like, right? I, I, I think what I would like, just spitballing this. Uh, uh, like proficiency bonus or whatever. Like once per long rest, you, you, you can use a class ability of someone else who is in your party. Right. And then that way your party becomes more reflective of you. Mm-hmm. And then you are, even by the rules, paying more attention to them. You know, oh, man, there's some good stuff. You should write this up and then let's play test it. Right? I'm down for that. Let's do that. That would be super fun. And I could put my barbarian in, in there that, that I redesigned a while ago. Yeah, because I... Um, I've. And maybe it's because I'm in the SCA, and I'm I, I tend to hang out with the people who are bards. I, I hang out with the theater troupe, True. and I hang out with the choir. So yeah. like I'm surrounded by people, but like all of them have their bard book, and they're painstakingly writing their own uh, songs and stories in there to perform, or they're taking other people's stories and preserving them in there. And there are people who have who have been dead for twenty years whose songs are still sung, so their name is still carried on. And That's crazy. it's really it's really incredible to me. And that to me, and you know, my perspective on it might be a bit skewed, but that to me is what a bard is. The someone who tells who tells the stories of the people who can't. Yeah. Oh man. I love that. So great yeah, insight. I, I I'm gonna play with that actually and see if I can't get that marginally balanced. We'll find out. See, one D and D, we call this a creative approach to design, not just balances all there is. Yeah. Right. Um. Okay. The very last rule change I want to talk about real fast because I know we're out of time. Basically, is uh the removal of two actions, um, dodge and um ready yeah um i i have mixed feelings about dodge because i love dodge as a concept but i will say that it made certain other abilities more valuable um for instance the battle master now has um a, a, a technique that they can use that is essentially dodge um this makes the monk a little bit more unique in that they can essentially dodge mm-hmm uh, even if it costs some key points. And uh, it makes the spell Blade Ward not absolute garbage. <laughs> it makes it um, slightly better than absolute garbage. I have never used it. It's still, yeah, it's still not a good spell. But at least it isn't actually objectively useless. Right. Right. And so... Uh, I have mixed feelings about dodge. I kind of do wish it was still here. Ready action. I kind of love that it's gone. Really? Right. And maybe that's more because I'm on the GM side. Sure. You know, it, like most of my TTRPG experiences is GM side. And so I'm like, Ugh, ready to actions are so annoying. Right. But in this game, you don't get to have it. Your thoughts? I don't think I like ready being taken now, and maybe this is because I play more on the player side, so this may just be a difference <laughs> of perspective based on the fact that I'm more of a player than a GM and you're vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. But even on the GM side for myself, if someone is cognizant enough of what is going on around them and are being cautious enough to be like, I want to be ready for this thing, 
then I like to reward that because that says to me that they're paying attention to the situation. Um, they're paying attention to what could happen and what may happen. And, you know, there's a cost to it. If they're ready in a leveled spell, that spell slot is gone if it doesn't get cast. So there is still a cost to it. And I I personally com- uh, combat the, the this is so annoying thing by making them tell me exactly what the trigger is. And then just like holding that in my mind of so that they don't have to break in with, does my ready thing go off? Because that that's what annoys me. That's annoying. Yeah, you get interrupted. <laughs> is when people jump in with, did my did, did, did my thing go off? Or when four people chime in, or when four people chime in with, I have dark vision. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I I think anything that like interrupts what the GM is saying it gets frustrating. But if the players Very know true. that I am holding that trigger in my mind of this thing happened, therefore. Uh, if they know they can trust me to hang on to that, that tends to be less annoying, at least for me. And as a player, I like be I'm I'm a more cautious player than I think is typical. Like I like to hang to the back in general and, you know, eat things at things. I don't like kicking indoors. I prefer to let the thing come to me. Right. Yeah. Well, that's good strategy. I, I, I think a lot of us just get bored, right? And like <laughs> we're, we're just like start the action. Sure. Right. And so we kick in the door so the door gets kicked in, right? <laughs> and and that's and that's very fair. But like if I'm playing but strategically it doesn't make as much sense. Right. Well, and if I'm playing someone like Andraste who did not have very good AC and kept <laughs> to the back of everything, I'm not running up and kicking no doors in. I had ruckus mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. So ultimately oh, and Dodge, what did you think about Dodge? I don't like that Dodge got taken out, but I'm a little more ambivalent about that one. Mm. Um, I think Dodge is an interesting action, but I don't have strong feelings about it. I think mostly because I never use it. <laughs> yeah. And I have to be reminded when a, when a player does. It's so un, it's so uncommonly used. I think that's the biggest thing is that there mm. is a player where they, like that is their thing. And then mm-hmm. you remember that it's a thing. But yeah. otherwise, it's like, I don't, it, it's not really a big part of the experience for me, so I don't really yeah. think about it. So one thing that Dodge does is it allows you to sort of advance towards the uh, combat danger zone mm-hmm. while being a little safer, whereas like dashing sure. usually means you're about to get killed. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, my my, my monk can attest better for to that. Away. <laughs> yeah. But it does make things like Step of the Wind feel a little bit better. Yeah. Um, okay. So uh, ultimately, we were taking all of this from the BG3 wiki. Mm-hmm. The, if listeners want to see the full list there, um, you can treat this as a treasure trove of ideas. Oh, yeah, because we barely scratched the surface. And we, we, barely we will be it. including the link in the show notes uh, because this yeah. is an incredible resource. Uh, we didn't even touch on the you, you can't cast two level spells in normal uh, D&D and you can in Baldur's Gate 3, which I love. Um, I love that too. Yeah, I would bring that right in. I would too. There's a whole lot of really cool things. So we encourage you to dig deeper into that uh, wiki. If only so you can be ready when your players are like, "Uh, I saw this thing in Baldur's Gate 3. Can we try this? At least Mm -hmm. then you will have the resource to go and look at it and see what it does. Also, it's good to know what the difference is because like, if you're still learning the rules and then someone who's playing Baldur's Gate 3 is under the impression that these are the 5e rules, 
then they might get one over on you. Like, oh, I can always shove as a bonus action. It's like, <laughs> no, you can't, actually. Um, that only works because there's one person playing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, every turn, everyone's shoving everything, and we're making contested rolls for everybody's turn. And like, that and is that exhausted. No, it takes forever. You. No, thank you. But for a video game, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Let's make it Absolutely. <laughs> uh, all right. So I, I guess that's it. You want to take us home? Sure, let's do it. Thank you all so much for joining us this week. We hope that uh, we gave you some extra resources to to think about. And I mean, like like I said a couple weeks ago, I truly believe that Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the best things that has happened for the TTRPG community as a whole because it brings more people into it. And there's going to be a little bit of gear grinding as we figure out uh, what works and what doesn't. So we hope that we've given you some things to think about some things that you might want to bring into your own game. Um, let us know in, in the Discord what you think about all of this. But until next time, stay inspired. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Inspiration Point. If you'd like to support what we do, go and check out our Patreon at patreon.com inspirationpoint. If you can't support us directly, that's okay. You can also help support us by telling people about the podcast. A little inspiration goes a long way. Inspiration Point is edited and produced by Tiana Hansen and is distributed by Quest and Chaos. If you like what you hear with us, give Quest and Chaos YouTube or Twitch channels a visit. They play Dungeons and Dragons on a weekly basis and have a bunch of campaigns of Call of Cthulhu, D&D, and board game playthroughs archived on their YouTube. Join us next week for more inspiration. Thank you.